And welcome to JS Life, an aspirational podcast. I am Patrick, and here with me, as always, is Hayden. And today we have a special guest, Lisa Cleary. Welcome to the show. Hey, what's up? Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're excited to have you. So uh, the topics we're going to get into are pretty relevant to just about every person on the planet. And I always enjoy episodes like that because exactly. um, sometimes we go down some specific uh, nuanced paths here. But yep. I, I, I uh, am excited to talk about something that is universally important to everybody listening. Um, so, Lisa, why don't we start with just a, a little background on you and then we'll get into your uh, new book. Yeah. Tell us your tell us your story, where you're from, uh, any big milestones or defining experience or moments that you came across in your life and uh, how it's led you to where you are today talking to us on this podcast. Sure. So I live about a half hour outside of Baltimore in Maryland, and I am about to turn 35 in the next couple of months. Mm-hmm. And I am a writer. I am a self-help writer. And I do kind of happiness-based writing. I'll talk about relationships and mindsets. But my niche is really having a realistic stance on things. Um, with self-help, I feel like it can be extremely toxic where it can say like, do this goal, do that goal, you know, Mm -hmm. date this person and be the best you can be and the happiest that you can be. And I found that when I was starting to, um, read and kind of soak in all of these articles or advice that's out there and there's tons on the internet, it really wasn't resonating with me. So I kind of used to be that sort of self-help writer because I thought, that that's what I should be going for. And I've shifted more towards like a tough love self-help writing. So it's kind of my backstory. And then I recently um, wrote a a book about relationships and dating. So it's been interesting. I Uh um, Is this your first book? Yeah, it is. It just it just came out. So I'm trying to mesh a whole bunch together. But essentially, I I do write I write about relationships. I've written about my dating life. And so I decided that I needed to write a book about that from my perspective. And it was less Mm -hmm. about, um, you know, like getting the guy or being the best person to to date or, or things like that. But I ended up going through a breakup when I was 31. And that really made me shift how I wanted to write about things because I went through a breakup in a long-term relationship. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I went through a mass layoff and then I ended up having to move. So it was a bit ironic because at 31, when I in the past had written about getting all of these milestones and goals done, I suddenly found Mm -hmm. myself jobless I'm single and I'm homeless. So it was a bit ironic. (laughs) I'm like, well, you know, somebody helped the self-help writer. And at that point, I realized that I really needed to reframe my goals in life and start writing it a little bit more realistically because life isn't always that 200% happy. And so that's kind of my shtick. And, um, you know, when I went through all of that, it was really hard. I was... You know, I do. I am from a area and with a lot of my friends where they're all married. They have two or three kids, and I was like, you know, I really wish that I had a book that I could read, telling people that it's okay to be wherever you are in life. Mm-hmm. And so I tried to write a little bit more about that and about the tougher topics, so that people can feel like they're not alone. Yeah, I'm curious. So you mentioned a lot of your friends have sort of that milestone-based life that a lot of us are told when we're when we're growing up that we should want to achieve, I guess. Um, when you were going through this tough time, did you envy their lives? And the more interesting question to me is, was that envy mutual in the sense that you were kind of looking at their lives like, oh, this is what I wanted and they have it. And they were kind of looking at you like, oh, I want this freedom and I'm kind of stuck and I can't unmake these choices, I suppose. Um, was that the case? You know, at the time, and I think it was a double-sided envy, but and I certainly a lot of my friends thought that I live kind of a carefree, um, mm-hmm. free lifestyle. I think what's hard is I did envy their life 
at that point, because when you kind of go through having, you know, what I would put in quotations as like a rock bottom for me, um, Mm -hmm. trying to find my purpose, um, coming home to an empty apartment, I envied that other people had someone to come home to. And I certainly wanted that counterpart, that healthy relationship, um, you know, that support. So I did envy that aspect. And I think what's important is that people don't settle or they don't compromise what they think that they, their own happiness for, for reaching milestones. Certainly if I had wanted to get married at a certain age, I really would have compromised the stability of a relationship. So I envied them, but I also tried to keep a healthy perspective about it too. Cause I certainly wouldn't envy being in a relationship or in a marriage that was, wasn't fun to be in, wasn't healthy and, 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 and loving. So it was kind of complicated, but yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. So did this experience and especially the experience of writing the book in your work, like has that changed sort of your ultimate goal, I suppose? Like, are you at a place where you still want that stable sort of um, paired relationship? Or is it something that can be maybe in addition to an ideal life, but you don't necessarily need it? Sure. So I definitely, you know, it's tough because at that age, at that time, I was 31, I was dating and you sort of kind of get stuck in your head, like, should I be married? Is something wrong with me that I'm not? And I'm certainly not against marriage. And I definitely want that. I definitely want children. Um, I'm actually in a relationship now. But especially with women, you know, if you see a lot of the self-help titles, it's, it really is about relationships and marriages and a lot of these goals. Um, So I am not against that, but what I am for is that people, especially women, really define their own happiness, that you don't have to have marriage to be happy. You know, you don't have to have these different things that you should keep jumping to to be happy. And people in marriages often want that. And the problem with that is that if you keep kind of focusing on the next best thing that you never really are happy. And so that's kind of my overarching um, message for that. But I certainly do um, want that. But in kind of, but that will, you know, be a part of who I am. It won't be all of who I am, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's interesting. I want to get into the milestone mentality in more detail because uh, I, I kind of get the sense that a lot of people in their 20s, they kind of go through life trying to check those boxes, the relationship, um, the stable job, the kids starting to have kids near the end of the 20s, stuff like that. Um, whereas it's not really till later in your 20s or early in your 30s for most people, I think that you really stop and consider what you want. Um, you're kind of just living up to a model that's kind of expected of you before that. And a lot of the times, by the time you get to that point where you do consider yourself, you've kind of made a lot of these choices that you can't really go back on, right? Um, so is there an element of like, uh, I, I think a lot of what you're writing about and what you're speaking about is really important for younger people to hear um, so that they can kind of consider what they want before they go down a path that might not be um, resulting in exactly what they want. Um, so I guess with that, if you can elaborate more on that milestone mentality and how that ties in. Sure. So I think that it's important that if you're working towards a goal and goals are extremely important for anyone in any aspect of their life. Um, but I think it's important to understand that something, just the ideal of something, the ideal of a partner or ideal of different goals. You know, even for me, I've always wanted to write a book and I did that. But Mm -hmm. in some ways it's kind of like, this is great. And I think we all suffer from the, well, okay, well, what's next? What's the next thing that will make me happy? And so it's just really important to understand that you don't necessarily need to fit into ticking off boxes for different things that you want in your life oftentimes. And it's really cliche, but oftentimes it's trying to figure out who you are and the in-betweens. And so realizing that life ebbs and flows. And as a self-help writer, I think that the message out there also is that we need to be 100% happy. And so when we don't feel that way, we think something's wrong with us. And so 
that's also something that I try to write about and share because it's not necessarily writing the book. It's not necessarily, you know, literally walking down the aisle, sometimes with growth and with goals. And the thing that I always say is it's important to maybe walk away from a relationship, maybe walk away Hmm. from a toxic friendship. And that's also emphasizing growth. So with my book, I wanted to write about that, that there's a ton of other people who you know, are not where they think that their life should be. And I really do say, you know, obviously I relate as a woman, but when we don't have these things, when we're single or when we don't have that perfect house, we start to worry, uh, why didn't we get there in life? And that can start to be unfulfilling mentality. That makes that makes good sense. Um, one of my favorite sayings is that comparison is the thief of joy because the grass is apparently or seemingly always greener on the other side. And I'm curious from your point of view if you have any insights into sort of where sort of this checkmark milestone based thinking and goal setting sort of originates. Is this something that happens as kids are talking about their life plans in high school or is it earlier than that? Is it a function of American culture and American media? Sort of where do you where do you sense or where do you see some of the expectations or I guess roadmaps that get put in front of people that they may or may not want to follow, but that sort of winds up being something that winds up as a de facto path for people? Sure. So, you know, obviously social media is a good and a bad tool. It's a good tool because like, you get to see your friends celebrate their achievements or you get to see photos of their kids. Conversely, when I was going through my breakup, I would compare myself like, well, I don't have all of these fun things to um, show on social media, um, you know, posting couple photos or a new home or things like that. And so I started to compare myself to that. And I, you know, I had to kind of work through a lot of things. Um, You know, I certainly realized that it sounds melodramatic, like, oh, I went through a breakup. It's not the worst thing in life. And that's like the important thing. But at that time, because I put so much pressure on myself to want to hit these different things, and because my career at that time really was focused around that, you know, how to lose the weight or how to find inner peace, um, you know, I was kind of part of that problem. And yeah, so, it's, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah. So I just wanted to stop comparing myself as with what I thought that I didn't have. And when I started to kind of figure out what different things made me happy, that's really made me find kind of that it's okay no matter where you are in life. Um You know, and so like the joke is when you go through a breakup, especially as a female at a later age, um, you know, you feel like you're moving five steps back and you're kind of like, well, oh shit, what's next? You know, going back into the dating pool, that's really difficult. So, um, so yeah, it's kind of a long winded answer that I did compare myself. It's natural that we still all do, but it's just more important that we compare maybe happiness or maybe support that and understand that part of being happy means going through rough spots in life. Now I'm going to ask a couple of kind of odd questions. Maybe Um, the first one I want to start with is on the topic of happiness. So I still don't quite understand. I I think happiness is defined differently to everybody. To me, it's not really a state of being like that's like comfort and contentment, right? Like a consistent state of being. And that that's a goal of mine. But happiness to me is like a fleeting emotional feeling, like anger in a sense. And it's something that uh, to me is a reward and a reward that is fleeting and and comes fast and and leaves just as fast, I guess. So happiness has never really been my goal, I guess. But I think the way that happiness is, is talked about is more describing some sort of like comfort and contentment with with your life generally. Is, is that what it is to you? It's what it is now. Um, you know, for me, it's, that is part of happiness is, is that contentment part of my happiness, my own version of happiness is oftentimes stress, um, putting in hard work, um, working towards goals, feeling vulnerable. So for me, it's not always necessarily being content or feeling stable. Um, it's kind of knowing that maybe down the road that that will be worth it. So with writing my book, Um, you know, I had to sacrifice a lot, you know, I was working almost two full-time jobs and that made me happy, although it wasn't necessarily in the moment. 
So yeah, I think that that would be my form of it. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Okay. Well, now I have a very odd question. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and I'm curious to get your take as well, Hayden, but uh, you've described a tumultuous breakup and I, I've, I've heard this described to me many times that, um, I, you know, I don't underestimate the pain of a breakup because I've seen a lot of people like struggle, like real with breakups and almost to the sense where it looks like they're mourning the death of someone because they kind of are. It's, it's a, you know, somebody that's in your life and kind of in your life every day and it's like, also the death of their of your own life with that person too yeah when the breakup it, happens it's like very similar to mourning um to me when i've observed it but where this question gets a little odd is can you describe to me sort of the pain of a real breakup after a long-term relationship and sort of like what that feels like i guess because i've never experienced that i mean i've i've obviously had relationships and i've had breakups but um they've always been amenable and, and okay. And I've, you know, stayed friends with them. So it's, it's not, I, I didn't have that experience of like sort of having to put a life back together, I guess. And I'm curious as to like, what's it like? I, yeah. I don't want to underestimate that. Like uh, I'm, I'm very curious as to like uh, the, the, the scale of that feeling in that situation. Yeah, no, it's a great, feel free to ask anything. I'm an open book, but uh-huh. um, part of why I wrote my book is when you go through a breakup at a later age, when you're in your 30s, especially as a female, it's really hard. And Mm -hmm. I have friends who went through divorces, and certainly that's equally as hard, um, if not harder. And the joke that I make throughout is that no one really takes it seriously because it's a breakup, but it still hurts. And what made things complicated is that Again, I had that mentality where, oh, I'm in a relationship and this is what I want and this is what will make me happy, just being with someone. Mm -hmm. And I was so afraid of being single, trying to figure out who I was and being confident in my own skin um, that it really was kind of devastating. At that time, the relationship had, you know, red flag after red flag, but because I felt like I wanted to be with someone because I felt like Uh, relationship is what was expected. And then marriage um, down the road, um, you know, that put pressures on me consistently telling me myself that I was happy, that things were okay, that this was a healthy relationship. But I knew deep down that I wasn't. And I do think I have friends, you know, who are currently in relationships or marriages. And oftentimes, it's the ideal of that, that makes them happy, but not that person. And conversely, I have divorced friends who are the happiest um, because they drew their boundaries. And so when I went through that and I felt like I was consistently like compromising who I was, it was draining. So I make a joke that it felt like, you know, when you take too much NyQuil or, you know, you just feel depressed at that time. I was very depressed. It was a, you know, it was temporary thankfully, but I had to work through it. And um, mine was, it's interesting because it's like I write about, I've written about it, um, Mm. you know, how I survived that, but it was me sleeping a lot and I slept (laughs) a lot. It's awful, but I slept a lot (laughs) to a point. But when you're sleeping, you know, on the weekends, like 12 or 14 hours, just to kind of escape your head, um, yeah, it's like depression sleeping. Yeah, yeah it's, not, it's not the enjoyable, I would just wake refreshing up with sleeping. These, like throbbing headaches, and oh, that really was how I dealt with it because I was confused. I felt like, you know, why do I feel so drained? I had that relationship where I, you know, I had that job that I wanted, I had that apartment I wanted, but I wasn't happy. And so when I, you know, when everything kind of got, you know, you know, fell out. Um, I guess I felt, I was like, well, you know, what, what is the point? What can I even write about? So I was embarrassed Mm -hmm. about that, but it was more just really just a temporary depression. I really couldn't function. Um, and it sounds silly and I understand that now because I, you know, I had that relationship define me, but, um, it was really just that and not really too much. Um, like crying or anything like that, just like a heaviness, like a physical mental heaviness is what that was. 
That makes that makes good sense. Um, one of the things that I find, or one of my approaches to dating, is rather than trying to find the perf the trying to find the perfect person that I want to date, it's focusing on what's more so within my control, which is becoming the best version of myself that somebody else would want to date. And so what's interesting there is that sort of unpacks to sort of high level at your base sort of goal setting in terms of what you want to be, who you want to, who, what kind of person you want to be. So I'm curious, uh, as you've gone through your life and your career and these experiences, has it changed your goal setting approach versus when you were younger? And maybe it was, I mean, when I was younger, I, I'm, I'm, I will acknowledge that I was aware of sort of the milestones and you got to be, you have to have this done by this age and this done by this age and all of those mile markers. But the older I've gotten, the more I've recognized that the goal setting is up to me. And that's one of the sort of most important areas of agency that we as people have. So I'm curious to hear sort of how your goal setting and sort of what you work on and what sort of your aspirations are for yourself are and how that, how that process has changed over time. So, yeah, this is a really good question. So, you know, in the past, again, with the goal setting, um, I always felt like, oh, I need to write that book to be happy or I need to, you know, move into that perfect home to be happy. And so my goal setting has certainly shifted because it's not about um, it's not necessarily about, like I said, hitting the milestones. And again, that can be toxic. And I do work hard in various goals, but it's less about something that I think will be will make me happy and more about things where, um, you know, I'm figuring myself out along the way as I work on goals. I might not necessarily know them um, down the road, but if I'm like, oh, okay, I'll start writing on something, I might not know what it is. Um, and if I had like kind of an end goal in sight um, or something pre-planned, that might not shape a piece that will work out better as I'm working through my different emotions. You know, like with dating, I can say, oh, I want to get a husband. I mean, certainly that's long-term or I want to find a boyfriend. (laughs) I'm not that. Um, But maybe, maybe it's more about um, just going on one date or sitting down and writing one page Um, So my goals, they're broad, but not as specific and not as, as like perfection seeking as they once were. Um, So I try to like figure and learn about myself along the way. And, you know, conversely, even with dating, I used to do the same thing where I wanted to be the best that I can be. And, you know, I finally accepted that that's draining. That's exhausting. Mm-hmm. Maybe I want like to go on a date. Dating. Yeah, yeah. Like I just want to be me. And sometimes yeah. I'm an asshole. Sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, um, <laughs> sometimes I'm great. I don't know. But at the core, if that's me and if I'm writing um, as me, if I'm dating as me, um, you know, I found that that actually helped me get those goals as I worked through them. Yeah, we, we've talked about that a lot on this show in regards to our dating philosophy. Hayden and I are pretty similar um, in that regard in the sense that uh, we both have found that the way to date is not to go out and try to impress people. Like one, it's exhausting. And two, it's sort of the opposite of a good strategy of attracting people you want to hang out with and spend time with. Um, like the, the goal should be to represent yourself in the easiest way possible, which is just kind of the age old adage of being yourself. Right. And, um, for me, it's always been like, how can I repel the most amount of people (laughs) so that I'm, (laughs) I'm left with the one who will tolerate an authentic version of me? Um, I suppose has always, has always been the ideal, but, um, that, that to me ties into dating in your thirties because I, I feel like, Dating younger and getting into these like long-term relationships when you're younger is a mistake for a lot of people because you're not even a person yet. Like you have yet to define yourself. Um, you, you haven't really walked a path of hardship or kind of gone through adversity and, and become sort of um, the you that is going to be with this person long-term, which is a lot beyond your 20s. Um, do you, I guess so it's a two-part question. Do you, do you think it's a mistake to kind of settle into a long-term relationship uh, early on. And let's just start with that one before we get into the second part. No, I don't think so. I think that if I think that that's fine, but I think that you 
That's a tough question. And I say this because none of mine worked out in my 20s. So <laughs> I can't actually speak to that. See, I think um, that's a good thing because now like you're more accomplished, you know yourself better. And it helps you, know? and it helps you refine what you're looking for. One, yeah, of the, one, for of the, sure. one of the traps you fall into uh, at a younger age when you get into a long-term relationship is that when you don't have a fully sort of developed self-identity and sort of vision of who you are, like you said earlier, your relationship and who your partner is becomes part of your identity and it makes it that much harder and scarier yeah. to try and imagine a life without that person. Yeah, you know, and what's hard, and and this is kind of where my writings recently shifted, is that being female and an you know, I don't want to keep on saying like, oh, females have it harder. But from my experience being female, we're expected to be in relationships. Uh, by a certain age, we're expected to be married, to have kids. And so that's kind of why I talk about this recurring theme um, throughout the book and with my writing. And so that's tough. Like, you know, even in the workplace, I've been asked about relationships, you know, in different meetings. And it's kind of this curiosity that when you're a certain age and when you're single, especially for women, that something's wrong with you. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, so relationships, though, in your in your 20s, I don't think that they're necessarily a bad thing. I think that, you know, listening to yourself and trying to find that healthy relationship that that's something that is important, whether they do or they don't work out. Um, it's practice about what you're willing to tolerate, what you're not. Um, so I, w- I certainly wouldn't say that I'm against them. Um, and I think that um, it really just depends on what that person brings out. Do they bring out the best? Do they support you at your worst? Uh, things like that. So it's more about that partner and the things that you do together in your 20s. So certainly when I was younger, like what did I do in my 20s? Well, consistently would go out to the bars or get drinks on the weekends. And mm-hmm. so it's about what you want. If that's what you want in your life and that's what fits it, so be it. Um, but if you are looking for something a little bit more serious or wanting more from your partner, you have to see if that matches up with your priorities. So it's kind of a vague answer, but the no, it's sh- good. Yeah, it's- but no, I'm not against it. Um, but like I said, none of mine worked out in my 20s. So yeah, I, see, I, I am more mature now. Thing. Yeah, I, yeah, I think that's I think I think that's a good thing as well. I mean, it's, it would be worse to be stuck in one of those relationships that you that you got into when you were 22, 23, 24, 25 because you didn't understand how to get out of them. Yeah. Versus now, every relationship you have and every relationship that doesn't work out, it helps you refine what you're looking for, what you expect from yourself, what you expect from a partner. And there might have been a criteria going into your last relationship that you thought was really important that when it came time to do sort of a, a look back after it was done, it helped you realize, oh man, I put way too much importance on that that specific thing. Yeah, I feel like it takes so long and it takes those years to really become confident and have a strong sense of self that like it, it changes who you're willing to tolerate and put up with. Like the people that I would go out with in my young 20s, I would never go out with. <laughs> now, right? Like I just have such a higher standard. Like if I'm not absolutely enjoying myself and finding this person fascinating I'd and interesting. I'd rather be by myself. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like there's years of exploration and conversation like... Um, I have a sneeze coming on, so I'll <laughs> so what, have to partition so what, that. So good qu- <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's that's a trap I see a lot of people fall into. Is is you make this huge, giant decision when you're not even like a person yet? Um, and I keep hammering that point home, but to some extent, I think it. I've always felt this way, and this is a little. I'll, I'll connect it somehow, but. Um, when I look at people that like drink a lot or do a lot of drugs and that's like a defining part of their identity. And I guess like some forms of like, I, I don't know, just, I, I think there's problems that people create because it distracts them from a bigger problem, which is like finding your path through life. Like it's a very difficult thing to do to really find a path that makes you happy and fulfilled and supports you financially and, and has like sort of room for growth over decades and stuff like that. Like it's a very difficult, huge problem that every human faces. Right. Um, 
And I think there's a lot of things in this world that can distract you from that problem by creating different problems um, or creating different things to focus on or different ways to identify yourself. And I think when people get into these relationships early on, it really does form the basis of their identity, right? Which may take away some of the motivation for doing a lot of that work that makes you um, the, the human that you could have been, I guess. And I, maybe this is a really cynical view of relationships, <laughs> Um, but how do you feel about that? And feel free to completely disagree. Um, hmm. well, I think that you have to grow with a person, um, too. I think that that's my other, um, point is to consistently grow. So whether or not you're in a relationship, uh, no matter what age, even if you're maybe in your fifties and even with friendships, um, they should always grow and they should always evolve. So, I think that that really would be my emphasis on that. Um, so it can work at a young age. It just depends. Yeah. And I would say as long as they're growing, I mean, certainly I've had friendships that have fizzled out cause they weren't, um, yeah. we were in different life stages or we just, you know, you lose those commonalities. Um, and honestly, it's really just, just that other person. So if it's just dating, if it's a friend, a lot of times these are things we can't control and it is luck. It is, um, you know, how you put yourself out there, how you define your boundaries, et cetera. So, um, some of that's just life. So no matter the age, no matter the relationship. And so I think when we have failed relationships or when we lose our job, we think that we're a failure And especially when you see everything in the media these days and people start to wonder what's wrong. And my, you know, again, my message is that that's life. Um, So things we, it's, it's full of variables that we can't control. And I wish we could sometimes, but other times that's not real and perfection isn't attainable. So it's often messy and, Um, yeah, so I, you know, I'm kind of on the fence about that for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, one of the things that I'm interested to hear your perspective on is that this is sort of, I've not really spoken this or I'm going to fumble through this a little bit. Deus exclusive. Which is that, uh, so one of the things that I've sensed and I'm curious for your perspective on this is that sort of within American society and American culture and the culture that we live in. It seems to me like sort of as far as societal expectations and how people are perceived by others, and there's a difference between men and women on this, which is that for the guys, it's more so the the question that, yes, I'm picturing myself at like a dinner party or something like that, and I would get asked as a guy, what do you do for work? And then on the same vein, if there was a conversation happening between a couple of women, it would be, so what does your husband do? What does your boyfriend do? And I'm concerned that there's an outsized importance placed on the female side of getting a partner that is accomplished rather than focusing on what do you do as a, as a woman where it would be, Oh, I'm a, I'm a, I do this. I have this career. I have this going on and that an outsized portion of somebody's self-worth for women is placed on what kind of mate they're able to capture, quote unquote, or get. Um, What do you think about that? I guess from my experience, it's less about that. Um, It's more so, oh, who are you dating? Are you dating anyone? Are you with someone? Um, So it's less about what my counterpart would be doing, but if I'm actually with someone and I certainly, or do I have kids? And when I say the answer, no, I'm not dating anyone or no, I don't have kids, um, you kind of, I would see everyone's face drop and it would kind of make me feel like shit. Like, (laughs) I like, should I have that? Like, you know, that's just, (laughs) (laughs) I know, right. That's what, you know, maybe it is. Um, and I was happy not having that and people felt like something was wrong with me. Um, you know, I don't know if you, uh, have seen like Romeo and Michelle's high school reunion, but I always use that situation where I kind of was the fish out of water in many instances. Cause I couldn't speak on those things. And mm. that in my opinion was okay, but there were instances when people made me feel less than I certainly, you know, welcome, obviously all of my friends who are married to talk about their husbands or, you know, their wives, their kids, because that's something they should talk about. That's part of their life. But 
for me, not having that, people thought that something was wrong or that I wasn't happy. Um, so it wasn't more about, you know, what my boyfriend does or or what, you know, past guys have done. So I actually have to say that I didn't often get that that question more along the lines of the relationship aspect. Just purely being with someone was the, the important variable there. Yeah, because I think people want people to find their happily ever after and put that emphasis on being with someone. And then when you're in love or when you're in a healthy relationship, that will make you happy. And certainly so. But there, there's many other things in life that, you know, can that have made me a, a well-rounded person. And it's not just that relationship. And it took me kind of a long time to to understand that everyone moves at their own pace. If your life isn't where it should be, then, you know, then why is that? Is it your mentality? Are you not doing something? Or is that just life? And most times that that's just life and that's okay. Yeah. Do you, do you feel this is changing at all? And I will preface this with a little of my dating history. I would say I've never been sold on monogamous pair bonding as I've described it. Uh, I've never been close to it either, but I, I've been more and more honest with people that I've met and I go on a lot of dates and I meet a lot of people. Um, and I found that in the last year or two, it's been very comfortable to be honest with people like, Hey, uh, I enjoy being single. Um, I, I don't, I'm not really looking to put restrictions or rules on whatever you want this relationship to be. And I found like a lot of positive feedback to that lately. Um, and I think that ties into sort of my, an idea of long-term marriage too. I do think it will be more normalized moving forward to have even people that are interested in long-term monogamous relationships to have a handful of people throughout your life, just because people change so much. Like the idea of being with someone for 60, 70 years or something is yes, it works for some people, but the idea that 90% of the population agrees on that when 90% of the population agrees on nothing else is <laughs> always been totally crazy to me that that's the way that everybody should aspire to. Um, do, do you feel that things are changing a bit? Because I certainly do in terms of like openness to other models and other ways of living relationship wise. I, I definitely think so. And I, again, I'll talk from the female stance in that, you know, I don't think that females have the pressures as maybe say our parents do or before that to mm-hmm. find, you know, a partner in life because at uh, that time the emphasis was to get married at a young age, start a family at a young age. And so I really feel like, you know, at almost 35 um, in that age range, female demographics are changing, not necessarily relationship wise, um, with marriage being the end goal, but in that, you know, a lot, you know, more females don't feel those pressures and we're shifting that. And so I wouldn't say that things are changing from, in my opinion, away from marriage, but that it's getting delayed. Now, I certainly don't think that everyone needs to get married. Um, And and again, especially by that right age range, it's who you want to be with and do they make you happy? And if that's yourself, then that's okay. Um, That that shouldn't be judgment. But I personally haven't seen that change. And it's something, you know, that there's no right answer, no wrong answer. It, It is what it is, but more of a delay, I would have to say. Yeah, I agree with you. I'll give you the hetero male perspective, though, and that's that I feel... I would say I feel a lot less judged as of late. I would say if I were to say these things, um, like I'm meeting a person for a first time, say, and they, you know, the question sometimes comes up, like, what are you looking for, right? And you meet people on dating apps, which ostensibly are for long-term relationship seekers, I guess. And I'm, I'm very honest about the fact that, you know, I don't really know. Um, I don't know if I'm sold on monogamy. I don't sold, know if I'm sold on all of these things. Um, and I know there's a sense in society that that makes me like lower on an ethical totem pole, I guess, if that makes sense. Like I, I would feel a lot more judged in the past or a lot like, oh, this guy's just trying to go out with a bunch of people. He doesn't really care about me. Right. When I don't think it is the case that it's sort of ethically 
less than. I, I think it's just a different way. And if you're honest about it, then I don't think there's any ethical complications about it. Um, but that that's sort of the change just to articulate that more that I'm feeling in, in, in my world, my small Southern California hetero male dating world is, is just a lot less judged and a lot like I'm finding a lot, I feel a lot more understood lately, I guess. And a lot of like women that, that are kind of about the same thing. And I guess, and I think you are right. I think the economic factor is very important in that. Like it is a lot harder these days. So I think people aren't as obsessed with relationships because there's sort of bigger economic problems in a lot of people's lives right now. Yeah. And I think that, you know, whatever makes you happy, whatever makes anyone else happy, it may be someone settling down in their 20s and starting a family right away. If that makes them happy, you know, then that's great. And I think that people need to be more accepting in general about that. Um, I found that even with my friends, you know, just because they had a certain lifestyle, they wanted to kind of project that on me because that made them happy. And Mm. therefore they felt like that would equate to me being happy. You know, in my twenties, I definitely dated around a lot, but I didn't always do it so seriously because I wanted to maintain that independence and I wanted to, you know, live by how I wanted to do that. And oftentimes people would judge me for it, but Mm. as long as you're doing what makes you, you and what's really what makes you happy, not what you think is expected of you. I think that's great. And that's really what I try to write more about. So it's just ironic because I, you know, did write about, oh, the things that you should achieve for happiness. And now it's like, you know what, if you feel like shit or if you have a bad day, that's part of it. That's part of working through it. Uh, That's part of happiness or relationships. Yeah. And that happiness and relationships are sort of two of many things to aspire to. Like there are some goals that take a lot of pain and difficulty. Um, you know, there's some things that in order to achieve them, you have to not be happy for long stretches of time, I suppose, while you're working toward them. Um, yeah, I, I, I think you're very understanding and I appreciate it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and I want to, I was single, I am in a relationship now and it's funny because he actually moved in right before COVID hit. He moved in, um, which is surprising after six months. Oh, I was going to ask, you were dating for six months before that? Yeah. And we actually met off of Bumble. So we're a Bumble success story. Yeah. Yeah. We like Um, Bumble. Yeah, you know, I was on Bumble, I was on Match, and it wasn't like, oh, I I desperately wanted to date or I desperately um, wanted a boyfriend because prior to that, I was single, I don't know, for five or six years. Um, So I I truly kind of did my own thing. Um, But I would go on dating apps just out of curiosity, but I also enjoyed meeting people. And so I try not to put pressure on on it. So a date's a date. If you can't go out on a date and just chat kind of like how we're doing now, yeah, drink wine, have a meal, but you're constantly looking at like, oh, the next date or the next end thing, just get to know people. Um, so dating was tiring, but it was, it was, it wasn't awful. No. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I was on kind of like all the, all the dating apps. Uh, but yeah, so anyway, so I, I am with someone now, but yeah, he moved in and COVID hit unexpectedly, obviously. So I was like, well, if we don't know if it'll work now, we're going to have to figure it out. And, you know, <laughs> things, things ended up working out well. So I guess that would equate to three years and dog years or whatever. Cause we certainly haven't been able to leave the house that much. Uh, that makes that makes good sense. I'm curious if you can give us some insights on the process of writing a self-help book that is I'm curious what your approach was to that, if there was some recurring themes or practices that you saw in other books out there that you think maybe missed the mark. Feel free to talk a little bit of mm. shit about the other yeah. self-help books out there and what you think they uh, they're doing wrong. Um, and tell us about sort of what, what, it's, what it's been like writing a book. Sure. So I realized I didn't say the title, but the title of my book is How to Survive a Breakup When mm-hmm. All of Your Friends Are Birthing Their Second Child. So <laughs> obviously, my first debut book isn't the next great American novel. Um, it won't win. Could be. Yeah. Um, but it's more of just a joke, uh, a pushback to the self-help industry, because I started Googling books when I went through a breakup on Amazon. 
And what was really like disturbing was it was like how to win your ex back or how to get over <laughs> your ex in 30 days or how to send him texts to get him like excited or send oh, flirty, sexy wow. texts. Like Cosmo shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you, if you just do kind of that, or it, that uh, quick Amazon search, it's kind of disturbing and mind you this was this was um you know a couple years ago so um anyways with that said i was like i need something that i can read that's actually authentic that's real because if you don't go from zero to happy um you that's just what's written uh on amazon like how to go from zero to happy in 30 days and that's a joke so yeah. I wrote it and I was like, well, I'm just going to sit down and try to write through this. And I think what's hard about writing books is you can devote years to it, but it can never get published. And so there were times when it was like really disheartening. Um, I'm like, am I working on this? And will it ever go out? And so I would kind of get in my head about that. But I actually wrote it when I was going through my breakup, right when I would go through it. So I talk about... Um, I talk about moving out and what it's like to kind of live in a really nice rented apartment together and then have to move out of the city into the basement of a really shitty complex. <laughs> and that was actually really hard for me. Yeah. Um, especially you have to downgrade your lifestyle. No one talks about that. And I needed someone to write this for me. So that was, you know, kind of why I did it. I wish that I had a book available to me at that time. So I really did write when I was going through it and it was funny because I would write it and I would reread it and it would come out really angry. And I'm like, well, this isn't what I want. I want it to be funny. I want people to laugh and be entertained and laugh at me. So it was really just the routine of writing and processing my emotions and kind of rewriting it, et cetera. Hey, Lisa, your audio, your audio cut out. For a little bit, can you start uh, with, I really did write when I was going through it? Sure. Can you hear me okay now? Yep, you're back. Okay, sorry. Um, Yeah, so I was writing it as I was going through my different emotions. And I feel like with self-help books, a lot of them, they talk about how to feel or, or why you should feel a certain way, but never the process to get there. So I wanted to write about that I didn't want to provide a roadmap for people. So I just write about when I was depressed, I wrote about it. When Mm -hmm. I couldn't function, I wrote about it. And I had a lot of other things going on at the same time, um, you know, like a layoff, Um, you know, again, downgrading my life in terms of living. So I tried to write that really frank. And so that's pretty much what I did. I wrote a little bit every day for a couple years. Now, certainly, you you know, I was at that point over my breakup, but I, you know, would still write about it. Okay. And then, uh, so how do you, how do you sort of outline it and structure it and put it into chapters and make sure that things flow? Did you have a, like an author that you, that you talked to or that gave you guidance or where did you learn sort of the nuts and bolts of writing the book so that you can make sure everything is organized well and it's got a cohesive flow stuff along those lines or is it just trial and error? So I just, honestly, I really don't have a process. I'll start with a brief outline but I'm a pretty slow writer and I kind of write as I processing through it. So that requires a lot of editing. Um, again, since I wrote it as I was feeling different emotions, I couldn't really pre-write that or write an outline. I had an idea for chapters, but it was pretty easy again, cause I was writing it as I was going through it. And so that sort of logical stream of thought, um, was happening in my real life as I was putting it down and writing it. Got you. And can you tell us just really quick, I mean, on the topic of this book and, and the release, which Bravo, like I, I do some writing and I know how goddamn difficult yeah, it is. Yeah, super congrats on shipping this, by the way. It's yeah. a lot, a lot of, a lot of, one, it scares me to think about how much wonderful art is on people's shelves because they, for whatever reason, haven't been able to ship it out. So I have to commend you and give you massive kudos for, for, yeah, for, for the for publishing shi- for, aspect, for shipping yeah. your art. That's really, really fantastic. Can you, can you go into the publishing aspect a little more? Like when you started this, did you have a publishing 
partner or did you kind of just write it with the aim of getting one and then find that along the way or self-publishing what sort of your what are your what are your thoughts on that sort of whole landscape right now sure so i ended up getting a publisher it's hard I joke that I do everything, I I make everything more complicated in my life than it should be. But nonfiction's hard because I, you know, I am starting um, in starting out and branding myself. And so that was hard to sell myself to publishers prior to that. And I ended up working with a publisher who thought that what I had to say was great and, um, you know, believed in that. And I appreciated that. So the journey with finding publishers is hard. It's like dating. You have to mm-hmm. kind of communicate through email and pitch yourself. And so that was its own process, researching that, business plans, introductions, things like that. So that was, yeah, it was hard. But self-publishing, I considered it down the road, but I was lucky to have the opportunity with a good publisher. Yeah, yeah, I, I was thinking about that the other day because I, I was thinking about writing a nonfiction book about a year ago. I ended up shelving it because I, I have no audience. <laughs> so yet, I was like, oh, I'm going to put yet. all this work in. I'm going to self-publish it. And then like, you know, my mom will buy one. <laughs> <laughs> I'll buy one too. <laughs> yeah, Hayden will buy one to support me. Um, so I, I do think that's the right route. And I, I also wanted to add in off topic that your website is goddamn gorgeous. Um it's, it's just a beautiful website. And I don't often give that compliment out. So congrats on that as well. Thank you. I appreciate that. I got that up, um, you know, obviously to show a little bit more of who I am. Um, and that was its own, its own separate book project, so to speak. So I appreciate it. And for those listening, it's lisacleary.com. And can you spell that? Can you spell that? Sure. It's Lisa, L-I-S-A, Cleary, C-L-E-A-R-Y.com. So LisaCleary.com. Beautiful. Nice. Yeah, we're coming up uh, on time here. So this is the part of the show where we want to promote every single thing possible. Um, <laughs> Lisa, I will put this in your court. Yeah. Go ahead and shameless tell Shameless self-promotion. This is what, uh, this is, yeah, you get your shameless self-promotion window and then we will shamelessly promote yes. yourself. Yes. Sure. No, I appreciate it. I feel like Billy Mays. I'm certain <laughs> yeah, that wait, everyone. there's more. <laughs> right. I oh, have, so you're going like to hype up the product. <laughs> and then at, at the end you're going to offer four more. <laughs> yeah. I will. I'll keep going. We'll be recording yeah. for like three hours. Perfect. Um, no. So yeah, the book is How to Survive a Breakup. When all of your friends are birthing their second child, the paper and hardback are on Amazon and you can find it on Barnes and Nobles too. And my website is www.lisacleary.com. And I'm also on Instagram at lisacleary3 and it's the number three. So Mm. yeah, that's pretty much it. I actually tried to do that in 30 seconds. And so there you go. Yeah, you crushed it. That was a, that was a solid, uh, not quite, not the same as an elevator pitch, but you killed that in the same amount of time as I would sort of ascribe to somebody's elevator pitch. Good. Well, glad you know that worked. I'll I'll be, I'll be telling that story again in a few minutes. That was an amazing story. (laughs) I was killing it. (laughs) Awesome. Well, Lisa, this has been a blast and, uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. Sure. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Of course. Well, this has been another episode of Deus Life, an aspirational podcast, and we'll see y'all next time. Peace. Peace.